Welcome to the Startup Showcase. I'm your host, Scott Katoon, live from the Allstate Skyline Studio. Is this one still? We've like all the studios are Skyline Studios here, right? I look out the window, I see a skyline. <laughs> it sounds good enough for there me. There you go. <laughs> it sounds good enough for me. Uh, we've got a great show for you, as mentioned with Amy. Uh, we're going to have a little fun, make it interactive today. Um, you know, I get a lot, as you could probably imagine, I get a lot of emails from companies and people pitching. Uh, sometimes it's just an idea, which is fun. Sometimes it's uh, a question, you know, do I know how to do this or that, or can you introduce me to so-and-so or such-and-such? And then there's some of them that I don't know if they're doing drugs when they send it, or I I, I don't really know, or it's just maybe just because they know I'm going to open the, the email and read it and then be like, what? Um, and their ideas. And sometimes they're good ones, just uh, misguided. Sometimes they are legitimately good ones. Regardless, if you listen to the podcast, you're aware of this. We have this segment called The Inbox, and I do it in the middle of my podcast, and I basically just read a couple of startup pitches. And what I want to do is, I want to read a couple here. One good one, one bad. Ashley, one of these, I think, is like, got your name written all over. At least I'd love your feedback on it. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's going to be a good one. Uh, and then, you know, obviously people out there listening that are startup founders or people who have ideas, feel free to call us in, um, and I will literally take a pitch live on the radio here because we've got another live pitch coming on the back half of the show where you can actually invest by going to republic.co and invest your money in them. But these are just like little seedlings, little ideas that could turn into something great. Um but hey, who knows? Maybe you've got a company that already is uh, off to the races and you want to share it. So call us at 312-981-7200. And uh, assuming you don't say anything ridiculous, I will put you on the air. That's the deal. Uh, so let's kick it to the inbox here real quick. Ashley, are you ready for this one? Okay. Oh, I'm so ready. So this is not crazy. It's just sort of, I feel like this exists already. And I have to, I have to be very careful when I read these because people do not, uh, how shall I say this? Do not filter their language. <laughs> Uh, so if I read this extra slow, it's because I have to make sure that I don't say naughty words on the air. No George Carlin moment. So this is, are you familiar with Rate My Professor? Yes, of course. Is it still rolling? Is that oh, still yeah, thing? it's okay. still something I check all the time. Okay, so like my entire life, every like even my mom knew, like sending me to college, like for whatever reason, if it, if it said the teacher's wonderful, he's like a grandfather, he's a grandpa. <laughs> that was a dead giveaway that Scott and grandpa were not going to get along. And I don't know why that was, but if... If it was a sweet old man, it was sour. It was not good. <laughs> so here's the deal. Uh, it's called, this is Sitlin. So this is a person. First, I want to give him a shout out. Uh, the, their Twitter handle is BFDND. I hope that's not inappropriate, but <laughs> if so, I apologize. Uh, this is a similar to RateMyProfessor.com, but now you can rate your teammates and colleagues. We have all been in a team with bleep people, always late for meetings, missing deadlines, and just free riders. You name it. LinkedIn has a place for compliments and endorsements, but they should also have a place for not-so-pleasant comments. Plus, during the hiring process, a company cares the most about how a candidate is going to work when he or she actually joins a team, not how they behave during the interviews. As we all know, interviews are like your first date. You give this like exceptional... I know I did. That's how I got married. I gave this exceptional presentation that I was just this wonderful put-together other person and anyone who knows and loves me knows that that couldn't be further from the truth uh but it's the same thing in a job interview right people lie during their interview and on their resumes and of course they get the job and then they're awful so uh the website should provide unique perspective with regard to this so my question to you and everyone out there listening ashley is uh and i know you're we got a call in which is fantastic so that'll come after the commercial break here but uh what what do you think of this idea did you catch the the? I know you took a call because we're 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 viral, folks. This show is viral. Um, 
the idea here is rate my professor, but for colleagues. So the people you're working with, you can essentially find out if like, you know, <laughs> they're not so sweet. I think that's hilarious. But I, you know what? I think it's funny because we kind of do that in our day-to-day lives with like people that you work with that you're friends with. You kind of go up to them and you say, hey, do have you met so-and-so yet? And they'll kind of be like, oh, yeah, this is how I see them or they're cool or whatever. So we kind of do that anyway. I think we do. But like by the time you get that close, you're, it's too late, right? That's you're true. already employed there. So what I'm thinking here is like Glassdoor. I know that people, when we did the pod, we talked about this on the podcast and people said back to me on Twitter, which by the way, you can follow us at Technori and follow me at Katoon on all social media. And you should. Um, but we got feedback on Twitter saying basically like that's Glassdoor. And I was like, no, it's not. Cause Glassdoor is a place like Yelp where the blog from Glassdoor is fantastic. The ratings of great culture and office one just came out just yesterday on TechCrunch from Glassdoor on the top uh, 20 companies, tech companies to work for. People usually just rag on their old employer. They don't really like use it the way it's meant to be used. Um, and you'll hear like management's crappy or something like that, but it's not, uh, they don't identify like Joe, Joe Smith in yeah. HR is like a real beep. Um, <laughs> yeah. so like, I think that it's so, like, that's an area where I think it'd be really good to know. Like if I could go work at Technori and I'm like Sam or Scott or who like the person's name True. is like, or like the title person is like, just not very good. Then I would not take the job. And then I wonder if like the person, like I know for my professors, they'll bring up their rate, my professor rating. Yeah. When I come into class because they think it's hilarious that like some students hate them, some students love them. My aunt like, was so Ooh. shallow that she would go on and write in false people and have her kids write like positive reviews for her. Is she a teacher? Everyone in my family is a teacher. My wife is a teacher. <laughs> They're dear people. But like she literally would go and have her own family members write positive reviews, yeah, which I guess like, tells you sort of. Up. So I wonder if you had one of those for coworkers or teammates and all that kind of stuff, if they would change their... Change Way. their tune. Yeah, I don't. I. I don't what think if they so. go on there and they see, oh, Joe Schmo is a bleep? They'll be like, what? And then they try to be nice. Well, that'd be good, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a positive. That's positive. Net positive. I love this idea. I don't know if it exists yet. I've done no due diligence on this, but I, I, you know, I'll tell you what. If you go on Equity Crowdfund, I'll, I'll put some money in it. I, <laughs> I'm just telling you, great idea. I'm going to give you one more, and then we're going to take a quick break here. Um, this is short and sweet. Uh, this is to Wavy147 for people of an older age that are thinking about getting a pet. Although the majority of people have a decent level of experience with animals before thinking about getting one, what if you were able to have a more in-depth visit with a breed or a potential pet you wanted? This would include some uh, some consecutive time spent together with the animal, maybe on a weekend. And after tending to the animal and seeing what the process is like, social ability, potential for training, temperament, etc., maybe it would help people make a better informed decision about having owning animals, especially older people uh, a bit of a break for and then give other people a bit of a break from their dog uh i'm not gonna read the rest of this but doesn't this i mean isn't this what fostering is isn't yeah like, essentially you get to like test the dog out and if you want to keep it you keep it basically so yeah i think yeah, this people one do that and then most of the time when people test out the dog they want to keep it so then yeah. they have like eight dogs yeah those are well <laughs> dog people i've come to learn are much better than cat people. cat people are weird i know i don't amy might have cats but i, I don't she's probably looking like what the heck like, <laughs> but no it's i don't i think this exists it's called dog fostering or whatever it's called look it up um but i do think it's a good idea if you're an older person and you have or not have a, a dog or a pet in a long time you should try it out because i think a lot of old people in my building are really snarky about like oh, pets meh they but pee and if poo. They, if they test one... Yeah, they love it. How do you not? And if you it, don't, yeah. you're soulless, in which case I want to know about it. 
I want to know the person next to me has no soul. That just keeps me, <laughs> keeps me in the, they say that keeps you woke. That's woke. Well, anyway, we're going to take commercial. We got to call in, uh, Sapphire apps. Thomas Ma is calling in to pitch. He doesn't have to pitch that far. He did like a million dollars in business last quarter, but you know what? He's going to reaffirm why it's such a great business model. We'll take a quick break. I'm Scott Gatoon. We'll be back with Thomas Ma after this break. Welcome back to the Startup Showcase. I'm your host, Jack Tatoon, listening to WGN AM 720. Or if you're on a smart speaker, you are smarter than the rest of us and not using a dial-up, which is awesome. Uh, so we've got a call-in. I love call-ins. It also happens to be somebody I know, which makes me love it even more, Thomas Ma. Uh, Thomas, you there? Yeah, I'm here. What's going on, buddy? How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Where are you at now? You're always traveling the world. I have no idea where you're at. Yeah, I just landed in Chicago literally at midnight. Uh, yesterday, so back in town. From where I saw pictures, you were uh, next to the Money Man Floyd at the Clippers game. Is this correct? Yeah, we were courtside seats uh, two days ago at the Staples Center um, when the Clippers were playing the Mavs. How did Luka Doncic look? He looks like he's a freak. Oh, he was so good. Uh, it was really cool because we were like right there, and it was our first time sitting courtside seat. And he put on a show. He had a career high of 32 points. Boom. Good game to be at. Um, so I guess that's a, you know, this is like a perfect setup for you on the show here because we talk about startup companies that are good ideas. Some of them are not good ideas. Uh, some of the founders are in it for the right reasons, some the wrong reasons. The second half of the show, we've got a company calling that you can invest in. You have pitched your mm-hmm. company on our stage. And to be totally honest, I mean, you know, your story just in general is a good one for anyone. I mean, it's, you know, you were at UIC, reached out to me. You had your first uh, idea. Was it Podium, right? Career Podium. Career yeah. Podium. And it was like, you know, not the idea wasn't going to work, the, you know, whatever. But you just tell mm-hmm. that you had you had the grind and the stick to itiveness. You were going to do it. And then you, you pivot over to Sapphire Apps and, and you get rolling with that. And I think, you know, I, I like your story more than most because – there are some times where you're just in the wrong place at the wrong time, and it's like you're in Chicago, mm-hmm. and you've got this idea that, for mm-hmm. all intents and purposes, should work. Like it should be a mm-hmm. good, it should be a good business model, but it just and I don't I don't know if it's if you struggled here in Chicago or not if that was the reason, but like it just feels to me like Chicago. There's a, a city like L.A. is a Sapphire App city. It just feels like a place where you could make that pitch, and in five seconds, people are like, yep, I need it. I've been looking for it. In Chicago, you make yep. that pitch, and you've got to like convince them, which is always very difficult. So why don't yeah. you tell us a little bit about you know your your company and idea and what you do? Because I think it's a this is a great example for those listening as to like what it takes and how many factors go into success. Yeah, so to start off right off the bat, um, we're two years old. We work with a lot of mobile apps companies now. Like today, we work with like billion-dollar companies. And what we do is uh, we help them acquire users through non-traditional marketing. So an example is we work with a lot of meme accounts on Snapchat and Instagram. And we're beating all the programmatic uh, methods that other brands are using. So um, that's what we do for them. We do really well. And then when we do really well, they, they just keep, you know, keep, keep working with us. And it's been great in L.A. because that's where all the companies are. In Chicago, first year, it was okay, but like you said, the process is a little slower. Um, you know, people don't necessarily make the decision just like that. So, you know, we had to venture out and find, like, our city and in L.A. We moved there three months ago officially, and it's been really, really good. I would say so. Three months into it, and you've got a new audience of courtside seats, so things are okay. Yeah, the car is pretty sweet. Um <laughs> We got that like two weeks ago, and I never thought I'd be driving like an Audi or anything. 
And it even felt weird to go into the dealership because like I didn't feel like I belonged there. Which I think has like been your story from day one. I think the reason you're successful is quite honestly, like there's this fake it till you make it thing that everyone talks about. It's the they call it struggle porn for all the uh, people listening, the Gary V stuff. And I know you're a big fi- fan of Gary V. You follow him and you've you know, yeah. whatever, but you've met him and so forth. But what I actually admire and I like about yours is that it's it's the feeling of not belonging. If that makes sense, it's mm-hmm. not faking it. It's it's being like. I don't belong here. I'm not. I, I sat in the mm-hmm. nosebleeds forever, and then all of a sudden, when I got the ability to sit here, I only came when I belonged. And then when you belong, you know, it's just, it's just different. And I think it drives you, which I think is important for most of these founders to to know. The other part I want to you know share from your story is the the reality of um, your story is two things you kind of mentioned. One, you launch your business in Chicago. For those of you who are listening who understand this. You're not. You're sort of like in the advertising modern day advertising business. I mean, in the past, uh, it was mm-hmm. ad, advertisers would put something in a magazine. They'd have a campaign. It'd be this big long thing, mm-hmm. and and that's and Chicago was a, a headquarter for that. But now all the influencers they all live on the West Coast, and they all mm-hmm. are working with the brands that are in all of the TV shows that we watch live and stream all day, and they're all in L.A. And you know, mm-hmm. Chicago is really nothing more than a set for movies and things. It's not a place where the action's happening with with regard to this this uh, business line and i think a lot of business owners here in chicago and abroad wherever they are start a business like yours see some struggle and go idea doesn't work not necessarily mm-hmm. take the time to think no 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 idea is totally sound place isn't working gotta move mm-hmm. right so i mean on your end like where do you where, where where did you i guess how did you make that decision i feel like that's a tough one we got we got like 10 seconds and then do, can you hang on for the after the break yeah, yeah, I can hang on. Awesome. No problem. Right, why don't we do this? Why don't we take our our? Uh, we don't. We have time for a break here now. Keep going longer. All right, we keep going longer. All right, this is see. This we, is how we do this. We'll keep going a little longer, <laughs> then we'll take a break. Um, so anyway, I, I guess tell me real quick here on how you were able to come to the decision to just get up and move, because that you know, for a person who with your background and, and like the like you already said, you feel uncomfortable going to. To into a yeah. dealership, I can't imagine picking up and going into a new new city, especially one like L.A., a city of lights. Yeah. So the first time my business partner and I went to L.A. was uh, about a year ago in March. We just saw on a Facebook group there's this marketing event, meetup happening. And I was like, okay, let's get some meetings. And we got a meeting with this like, really big executive at a really big company that I won't say. Basically, went in, pitched, did a month's worth of research. The guy was on his phone the entire time. And it was, like, disrespectful to us because, you know, we were, we're like, we're going to get this deal. It didn't happen. And then we just you know, kept going, kept meeting people. And eventually, uh, we found our this, this client who was looking to try out, like, the meme marketing space because they were tired of Facebook and traditional method. The campaign crushed it for them, got a case study went around to other people, and then that was a referral. And from there, it snowballed into, like, the bigger guys that we work with today just because of good results. Awesome. So what I want to do is I'm going to take a break for news. We're going to come back, and I want you to, if you can, if you have the time, I'd like to have you t- walk us through a little bit of, like, the actual business and how it works so that people can understand sort of the opportunity that exists here because I think there's, like, this big gloss over where we say influencer marketing and then we just, like, let it go. So let, if you can hang on, we'll, we'll do uh, a quick break to the news, and then I will come back with you. Does that work? Yeah, that works for me. Awesome. Very cool. It is one uh, thirty-one and 53 seconds, and we are kicking it to the news with Bob Kessler. Welcome back to the Startup Showcase. I'm your host, Scott Katoon. 
Joining me is Thomas Ma. Thomas, you still with us? Yep, still here. Awesome, great. So uh, we ended the show talking about your sort of uh, transition from Chicago to L.A. and the opportunity, but we didn't really get down into the actual business itself and, and, and what the opportunity is, because I think you, like, I don't know how else to put this. You're like my millennial whisperer. Like, I talk to other, <laughs> other businesses and, like, you know, I get the same pitch, you know, SaaS company, B2B play. Very few companies yeah. are in Chicago that I get to hear about that are catering to a younger audience and, like, specifically finding opportunities on platforms like Spotify and, like, Snapchat and, and using Instagram influencers in the way that you do. So share with us a little bit about the, the actual business that you run and how it works and what opportunities are there for others. Yeah, it, it's quite simple. Really, we ask people, like, hey, what do you get for your targeted user? What type of users are you seeking? How much are you spending? From there, we're like, okay, here's our cost. We can beat it. Let's run a test. And then from there, you just multiply the number of users. You know, like, let's say a user's $1, and we run a test for, like, 10,000 users. It's like, there's ten grand. All right, get them the users. They analyze the users. If they like it, they renew with us. So that's kind of the motto that we work with. And it's quite well when companies are beating, you know, what they use on Facebook ads or other platforms. So can I ask you, on your side, um, let me ask you. So we use Facebook. We uh, I used to use a company called Dose locally here in Chicago. Really like what mm-hmm. we got with them, you know, depending on what you're into. So like for us, uh, you know, it's more content and it's obviously getting people to want to find out and learn more about tech, which ultimately is to get them to want to be more involved in investing in startups and so forth. Um, so for us, like there's like a B2B play in the sense that it's business, right? Like it's businesses mm-hmm. investing, but it's B2C at the end because consumers are the ones that we're catering to say, do you like tech and do you want to be an investor or just learn more about it? And what we found out was, uh, I ended up hiring one of the people away, Rachel from, from dose. And she's amazing, uh, at, at Facebook. She's amazing at, at maximizing our dollars. We probably get an extra 20% in every single ad that we run for Facebook. But Instagram and the others, we you know we're still trying to figure that out. And one mm-hmm. of the things that we've been able to offer our clients is if you come on my show, and I think you've been on well, you're on the show right now, but like you've been on the podcast, the, most of them take that show and they put it on Facebook and they just hit boost or they put it on whatever mm-hmm. platform and they just boost it, which gets them nothing other than you know money spent. Um, and we offer them the ability to run that same ad, but through our audience that we've cultivated on Facebook and have sort of a pretty good understanding of what the, the cost of acquisition is. And that's our, our opportunity that we pass through to people, which I think is kind of similar to you, but you take it like 10, 10 leagues further. Talk to me a little bit mm-hmm. about how you, some of the tactics and things that you are using to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it all starts out with content. And if you're using Instagram or Snapchat, the biggest thing is, uh, writing text at the top and at the bottom, kind of like a call to action, so that when the user sees it on a meme page, for example, it blends in with what they're you know accustomed to. And if you wanted to work with a meme page, it's it's really simple to reach out to these people. Um, you can just research on Instagram and just type in keywords like inspiration and see these accounts. If you want to work with them, you simply DM them, and you basically see their pricing. Now, the trick is uh, you just got to be really good with your content. That's where people stand out because if you have bad content, it's not going to reach people. And to thrive on, like, social media, you need, like, likes and comments and saves. What is good content versus bad content to you? I mean, because, I, like, I, I hate to oversimplify, but I, 
I personally believe like human nature is human nature. It doesn't really matter what the business is. The demographic of people who are kids listening to this versus adults listening to this, not this show, but like whatever it is that they're listening to, there's a certain call to action that you're going to get people to jump in and, and with your content style. How do you... Yeah. How do you like, you know, there's like, like I've said, like it's a smell test. You see like, that's just lazy content. That's not good. What do you look at mm-hmm. for like a quality difference? Well, it's just simplicity. Um, from, from experience, we, in the past, we try to use high end content that the clients made. It always failed because it looked like a really clean ad. I mean, but if you look through the feeds and stuff, all of a sudden, if you're seeing simple videos that shifts the eye and the user just doesn't like that so what we learn is inauthentic if you yeah just record a video on your iphone and just literally just put it through a meme editor or something on a premiere or any websites online play with the text and play with the emojis that's that simple (laughs) yeah it's i like to like simplify it's like not complex it's just you have to work on your copy and then you have to track like if you put it on x account for 24 hours how many clicks are they sending to your website? Are those users converting? So you gotta be like, you gotta make sure you have everything attributed, or else you can waste money, which is no fun. Do you remember that day when you came in our office and I asked if you needed to raise money? Yeah. You said no. You still say no, don't you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Or... I absolutely love it. You guys are killing it. Uh, <laughs> congratulations on the success. Uh, hopefully, I'll see you this week before you head out, head back to LA. Yeah, sounds good, Scott. All Thank right, you for letting me be on the show. Of course. Take care, buddy. Have a good one. Have a good holiday. All right, bye. Okay. All right, so we're going to take another break here. We're going to come back with uh, the Fluid Project, as mentioned. They're a startup showcase company. You can go on republic.co slash register, and you can connect your bank account and throw all your money into these startup companies, which is a crazy idea, but if you've got plenty of money to blow and you want to make a big pop, this is one way to do it. So we'll be back after this. I'm Scott Katoon. You're listening to WGN Radio AM 720. Welcome back to the Startup Showcase. I'm your host, Scott Katoon. I say this every single time I come back in commercial, in case you forget. Uh, we've got Rob Smith. He is the founder and CEO of the Fluid Project. What's going on, Rob? How are you doing? What's up, Scott? How are you doing? Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you. Thank you for making the time on a Saturday. You'd be shocked. Uh, this is like one of, those, one of those dates that I circle. Thanksgiving's another one. New Year's is another one that I circle for founders. Are they real or are they fake? And the ones that are willing to come on on the holiday breaks are the ones I know that are in, <laughs> in it to win it. I'm serious. I'm in it to win it, man. Absolutely in it to win it. It's, it's, so, it's, like, it's so true because like, I, I was one of those, I am one of those founders who had, to, who had to dig through and work on Saturdays. And I just, I'm amazed when I see a guy like looking for a break and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. but if, if you could make that break work for me, you know, like not on the holiday, it'd be great. It's like, uh, yeah, breaks don't work. They're called breaks for a reason. Like it's got to break right for you when it's right, not when it's right for you. Um, so I appreciate hey, you taking listen, I get a chance to talk about fluid. I'll do it anytime I can. My guy, that's what I'm talking about. So, uh, let's get the heavy lifting out of the way first here. So Republic.co yes, uh, slash the fluid project, correct? That's right. And hey, just so everyone knows, Fluid spelled with a PH. Correct. Uh, fluid Project. So the, the uh, origin of the name says everything about who we are. So uh, Fluid is about the space in between the binary and, and a, you know, binary between ideas, uh, gender, whatever it is. Um, that's, it's about living a, a life of fluidity and, and flowing and ever flowing, not being stagnant. And uh, PH represents balance and the balance in each of us, and in this case, the, the gender uh, balance between masculine and feminine, and project because it's a work in progress trying to make something better. So that's the origin of the name, which 
basically says the mission of the company. Very cool. So uh, you guys are raising money via Republic Equity Crowdfunding, as I've said many times on the show. I'm a huge fan of equity crowdfunding, and uh, Republic has been a partner for, for a long time. Um, we love the platform. We love, uh, there's other platforms out there too, and they're just as good for different reasons, but, um, sure. you can go to republic.co slash register, register right there. You can go to republic slash, uh, .co slash the fluid project, and you can look and learn more about this in depth. It's on our Facebook page at Technori. So go check us out at Technori and you can, uh, you know, search to your heart's content. So <clears throat> Rob, here's something. It's on our website too, Scott. It's also on our website. If you go to the, uh, just type in PHLUID. We pop up, and it's also on our website as well. Perfect. What's the website? So it's just uh, type in, if you Google search Fluid, P-H-L-U-I-D, we pop up. It's uh, www.thefluidproject.com. But that's a lot of letters, so just type in Fluid, just and we pop up. Just type in Fluid with a P-H, and you should be good. Okay, so here's that's how this right. works. We've got, you're going to have one minute, one minute to pitch uh-huh. to pitch the Fluid Project, but here's what I need to know. I need to know what you know what the problem was what you're trying to solve for i need to know how what you're doing is going to solve for it and i need to know how you yeah. make money doing this yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so you have one minute absolutely starting right meow you got it so i call us the store of the future so retail is dead it's boring uh we are reinventing retail and doing it a couple of different ways first of all we do it through a gender-free platform so there's no boys or girls section young people gen z uh, look beyond the binary when they're identifying themselves. 60% of Gen Z shop uh, in an area other than that specifically designed for them. So we don't just do that, but we're also a community space. Five nights a week, we do a panel discussions, fundraisers, meetings, get people talking about how to change the future and uh, how we monetize ourselves. We've already done, uh, we do $100,000 a month. We'll do almost a million dollars this year. And I look at expanding uh, in flagships 15 around the world. So People believe in this. They believe in purpose. They believe in mission. And uh, I say if you invest in us, you invest in the future because we're not just trying to change the world with the clothing. We're trying to change the world through ideas and values and purpose. Very How was cool. that? Very cool. Well done. Um, so tell me a little Thank bit you. about the actual, you know, like what, what was it about this that you decided to take this mission on? What is, what is your story in this? Yeah, my story is 30 years in retail. I've had a great career working for companies like, Macy's, Victoria's Secret, Nike, Levi's. I've uh, only run billion-dollar, multi-billion-dollar businesses. I have run global businesses. And uh, the origin of this is I went to Burning Man my first time. And if you know what Burning Man is, I just I found out who I was and, and kind of had a time, hard time being anything other than my authentic self. People say, don't quit your job after your first Burning Man. <laughs> I came back and quit my job. Went on a trip around the world, and on this journey – the Fluid Project was born. It was like this moment where like, ah, this is exactly what I was supposed to do with myself. So I've self-funded the business to this point. I've put uh, my entire life savings into it. And um, I feel like I have a sense of purpose. And I finally found a place to, to bring my voice and to represent a community um, that needs representation. I've got two yeah. questions for you. Uh, are you married? Here. I am. Ten years. And there was no no problems with the life savings thrown in deal? You know, we're two grown men who have two separate, um, we, we, we have, you know, a house together, but we also have separate, um, I mean, I will, I wouldn't lie to some stress right now, but my husband is fully supportive of what I'm doing and, um, he still has his money. I have money. I spend it how I want to spend it. And that's what I decided to do. And, I would never change it. And it's tough sometimes, but it feels really good. 
I was going to say, what's the secret? Because like my, my wife is incredibly understanding of my career choices, uh, or at least she, yeah. she puts on a good show for it. Um, she's literally sitting in the green room, probably muting this right now. Um, but but it, it, it's just I like think a you, thing. He's, he's, he's an entrepreneur himself. Like He's done the same thing, and this is my chance to do. He, he's an architect. He develops YMCAs, and, and he does what he loves doing, and he's got purpose built into his his career, and uh, he's just so happy that I have found a way to bring purpose and meaning into my career. So you're you're more um, so than I am because like I, I married a teacher. I come from a family of teachers, but I married a teacher because I felt like I was like there's never been an edge I didn't like to look and peek over, like maybe even jump off of. So like it, to me, it was like nice to have somebody who could like keep that in check and was like you know little checks and balances. And but also to your point though, like your your husband has the uh, a solid you know financial situation going on that kind of allows you to take some more risks and she has the same for me uh but it's just always interesting i find it very interesting to me when i interview founders because the the spouse question comes in the partner question comes in frequently in the sense that like a lot of times founders either are both of them are entrepreneurs or like one is and the other one like doesn't quite know how much of a risk is being taken and it just it's always interesting to me on the front end of it like how much they uh, talk about that. So it's cool to know that you've got somebody that like is like all in it with you, which leads to the next question for me, and that is the Burning Man thing. So one of our first yeah. investors is a huge Burning Man fan. In fact, if you go to our Instagram on Technori, we've got a shirt he made with Technori's uh, Technori logo on it, whatever Technori brand on it that he made in Burning Man. Uh, which is, if you look at the picture of the shirt, you're gonna know everything that you need to know about Burning Man. But um, yeah, the, the thing is, like, I know a lot of founders. Uh, a good friend of mine, Corbett from uh, Popular Pays, is a big Burning Man dude. Um, you know, the Akuba guys are Burning Man. Like a lot of founders that have been on the show have done Burning Man. And you made a comment on your way out of that of the story, saying they say don't quit your job after your first Burning Man. And I, I just want to know, like, what what was it about Burning Man or about yourself that you found? That made you yeah. be like, okay, like this is authenticity. What were you not doing before that you're doing now? I, I think I was doing pieces of it, but it never came together in one entire place. So, first of all, the the society, the way people live and care for each other, the way that you know, I lived a life where people knew my name, but more importantly, they knew my title. They knew how much money I made. They knew how much money I could donate to you know, uh, charities or politicians. And, and, you know, there's, there's a certain piece where people just take from you and take from you. And at this, at Burning Man, people just see you. They saw me as Rob, or even if they knew my name, they didn't know where I was from, what I did. They just saw me as me and, and like me, and I like me. I realized that I really like myself. So for maybe the first time in my entire life, I really liked who I was. Um, I love the freedom, and I, I love the community. And I, so, yeah, so I also loved watching, which I would apply to this business, how quickly in gender expression and gender identity as, as a social construct, how quickly straight guys were adapting to um, this culture, you know, that with the day one, they were wearing cargo shorts and a t-shirt by day four, they were in tights and a tutu and glitter makeup. And it just, it just showed me that um, if we work together, we could create a society that's as, as close as possible to Burning Man. And that's, that's what I've created without the drugs, you know, <laughs> that this, this exists, <laughs> that this exists, this, this place of nirvana. People walk into fluid and they're like, wow, everyone's so nice. They don't want to leave. I just, I'm on the floor, like helping customers they're like, where, how do you get to London? How do we get you to, you know, Italy or Greece? That's it's, 
it's really special. It's a really special place. What so the, the, the Burning Man thing? was the impetus for it. What was the first thing you did after Burning Man when you started your business? Like, how? What was the first part of like, all right, how do I bring this experience that I got here and make it something others can experience in little bits? Like, what, what, I just, I'd love to know how you were able to create that experience because obviously your background in, in managing brands should have helped tremendously. But one of the unique things with managing big billion dollar brands is that like, they're kind of known minus this recent Nike Colin Kaepernick thing. They're kind of known for not taking shots like that. And you're taking a pretty big shot. So what was the, how, you know, how did you come up with that idea of like what I'm going to do to get people to be able to see this picture? Well, first of all, I found a location that was in a visitor visual space. I didn't want to hide it Found a corner uh, in NoHo on Broadway, which is, Big windows, the 3,000 square feet. I wanted people to just not be able to miss it. I wanted people to have to walk by and face it, whether they wanted to see it or not. Um, I, you know, created product that was accessible. Um, I also, uh, but about a quarter of our business is that we have an open house every Tuesday from 11 to 12. We have new designers, new artists come in and show us what they have. And I, uh, about a quarter of my business is showcasing these artists and designers, giving them a platform and a store to showcase whether it's online, they only have online product, or they're a photographer, or they're an artist who does performance. We give people a platform to share their art and their creativity, which feels really good. That's part, also part of something that came from Burning Man as well. And then I've devoted a third of the upstairs square footage to community space, the cafe, and major seating in the downstairs is a community space. Right now there's a group of um, actors who are uh, practicing uh, their theater performance downstairs. So everything is not just selling clothes. That's just the, the, the front of what we do. And the, when you really get into it, we're having panel discussions. We're, we're cultivating and giving artists an opportunity to do their, their craft. Very cool. It's actually interesting to me because we've had, uh, we had a, founder, a good friend of mine, Aristotle Loomis, on um, last week. Um, and he, he was talking about, it's so like he did a deal with Marcus Lemonis, and he was on the show The Prophet. And one of the main things that we talked about, I don't even know if we talked about it on the show, but we talked about it back studio or backstage, was the um, the idea of creating experiences out of retail and how groups like Toys R Us and others that have gone under have done so more or less because they left they left nothing to the imagination. They or rather they left no imagination. They had these boxes that were just empty in the products and they're sitting there. And they didn't take the time to reimagine like how could I make this an experience that people would absolutely love regardless of the clothing or whatever they're going to buy or in fact there there doesn't even have to be um any sort of thing between the two it can you can just be here and do this and and experience life in a cool way and then if you buy stuff great uh, i love seeing more of those things you guys are doing a great job of it uh one last time if you could plug uh where people can go to learn more about you and uh how to invest yeah, it, I mean, there's lots of letters. I'll just make it easy. Just go to Google, type in PHLUID. We pop up. If you go to Instagram, type in PHLUID, we pop up. Um, yeah, and I would just say, you know, for me, this is the, the movement that's happening. And we're an opportunity. We're a space that has, has people come together as a community. And, you know, I have... I have big ambitions. My ambition is to help change the world and make it a, a place that's more accepting and tolerant and caring and uh, allowing people to be their authentic self. That's, that's what I care about. And, and I do believe you can build a company on that. And not, and not like most companies back into it, I believe it's possible to build it from the beginning, from ground up. Very cool. Awesome, Rob. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks, Scott. I really appreciate it. Have, have a great holiday, all right? You do the same. Take care, buddy.
Take care. All right. All right bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's our show today. I'm going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be back with uh, Dane Neal.